0: Is Sports Net today with Riley Pollock and Patrick it's Dumas? Sports Night Nine Sixty The Fan.
1: I've been through a lot, but I'm still flirty. Is everybody back up
2: in the building? It's been a minute, tell me how you're healing. Cause I'm about to get into my
0: feelings. How you feeling? How you feel right now? Oh, Sports Net today kicking things off on a Thursday afternoon. From our Sportsnet 960 downtown studios in beautiful Calgary, Alberta. I'm Logan Gordon. He is Patrick Dumas. Lots to talk about on this Thursday, Mister Dumas. How are you? I'm good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, September first. It is September ninth an, month we of have the year. NHL hockey on the calendar. Probably, it might be preseason, but
2: I think this is the start of the best time on the sporting calendar. September, October, November might be the three best months in all of sports.
0: Well, today we've got a little bit of everything, really. Uh, I think so, too. We've got NFL news, massive contract extension for Russell Wilson. Mm, Less right. It's an off day for the Jays, but we can still talk about other baseball things, including how they weren't able to finish the sweep of the Cubs Mm. last night. Massive trade in the NBA, a blockbuster they're yeah, waiting on this one for a long time. Donovan Mitchell finds a new home, and it might not be where you expect. And we have uh, NHL news across uh, a couple of different places. So we got a lot to get to on today's program. We'll kind of run through some of the stories of the day uh, here in segment number one. Uh, a very excited to chat with Roger Lajoie from uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk some Blue Jays, get his feel on this group, heading into a very important road trip for them. It kicks off tomorrow night in Pittsburgh. Also, 4 o'clock. It's that time of year. Uh, If you haven't already, I imagine you're going to be soon. Uh, Andy McNamara for uh, Fantasy Football uh, Questions is going to come join us just after 4 o'clock. Another edition uh, of Ask Andy coming up just after 4 o'clock. So an hour from now. Uh, If you want to start getting your Fantasy Football Questions in now, you can. 960 960, we'll try to run through as many as we can with our fantasy football expert, Andy McNamara. That's just after 4 o'clock. We also have a Stamps report with Maddie Rose today as the Stamps are uh, continuing practice. they got a longer week this week, of course, Patrick, with Labor Day coming up on Monday against the Elks. We heard from Bo Levi Mitchell at practice today. That's uh, a very interesting conversation. And, of course, you will settle us down with headlines. But... We begin the program last night in Toronto, the Blue Jays and the Cubs.
1: The 0-1, soft liner into center, underneath the Espinol. He's there to finish the ball game.
0: That's the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. You find it? Coming, coming. <laughs> Knew that wasn't right. There we go. For the
1: 2-2. He deals. Swing it, a pop-up. Left side. Racing in. Morel is there on the turf. Makes the catch to finish the ball game. The Blue Jays got the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning, but Springer pops up. The Chicago Cubs avoid a series sweep. They take the finale with a 7-5 win, and they used it with a lot of loud early contact on Mitch White tonight to keep a lead and then pick up the victory.
0: That the correct call from Ben Wagner on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Cubs 7, Blue Jays 5. This one, a battle of uh, inexperienced pitchers. And the Cubs able to do the damage, not the Blue Jays. Mitch White has not had a very successful start to his Blue Jays tenure. Just four and two-thirds last night. Eight hits, six earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. That not a Mm -hmm. strong performance from White. Uh, it was a opener day for the uh, Chicago Cubs who wound up using seven pitchers to get the job done. Uh, Luke Farrell went two innings, uh, giving up two hits and just two earned runs before they handed things off to Manuel Rodriguez and a number of others. seven, five, your final and the uh, Jays unable to finish that sweep and finish with a pretty dismal record on this six game homestand. Patrick picking up just two wins out of six tries against yeah. the angels and the cubs
2: that's how i want to look at it you don't want to look at i know john schneider suggested oh we took two or three from the cubs no technically this week was two and four you were you were under 500 against two teams massively below 500 in the standings and and for the first time in a bit you now have lost you lost another game you know you're now uh two games back of the tampa bay rays and uh it's uh getting a little a little tight like it's you're feeling a little bit tighter i know getting into september new month breathe you know the pressure's a little bit on if you're feeling pressure that's a good pr- it's a good privilege to have to have this type of pressure on you it means you're playing september baseball it means you're in a playoff spot and that's what the blue jays are right now but you can't say much for mitch white like that guy you know outside of this first start it's been really it's been a journey watching him pitch you know hard contact getting through him. Mean, like I don't want to say he's approaching you say, Kikuchi territory where you can't really trust him but you know it might be where it's like again we there is no other option right now and you don't want to think of him as a raw stripling anymore as a Band-Aid. this guy you know like I said last night the Jays needed to help him out and they didn't they they got the two home runs that's about it, it you know it's either they're not getting anything going or they, their offense comes in the only form of two home runs so it is it's just another frustrating evening for the Toronto Blue Jays
0: uh, you mentioned John Schneider and uh, his feelings after this one. Let's hear from the Jays' manager. Uh, here is John Schneider post game last night following the Jays' loss to the Cubs.
2: Hey, John. Um, Mitch Whitehead, his first few writings for you guys are really solid. It's been a little bit more of a, a challenge for him the last couple. Where do you think he's run into some issues re- recently?
3: It's kind of weird. You know, I think there's a lot of swing and miss, and then I think the ones that weren't um, swung and missed that, there was some damage done. So I think... Um, you know, stuff's there for sure. And I think this pitch mix a little bit got a little bit maybe predictable, a little bit too much you know, spin, not enough heaters, but um, kind of settled in a little bit, probably fourth, fifth. Um, just the one mistake, the frame mill there when the 0-2 heater, but um, it's encouraging that there's swing and miss stuff for sure. So then it's just kind of just buckling down on the execution part.
2: Shortly after that, you got the three-run homer. Did you kind of think that was the, the start of something for you guys?
3: Yeah, I mean, this offense is good, right? And um, You know, a couple key at-bats by a couple guys, and Kirky with the big homer, obviously. And, you know, you want to try to keep it right there, one-run game. Um, Soft base hit off Phelpsy there, um, which was tough. And a couple other ones that you can kind of look back and and replay in your mind a little bit, a couple other runs. Um, But, yeah, you know, this offense is going to, I think, get rolling even more than it is right now um, and looking forward to hitting the road.
4: John? I'd imagine one of those runs that you were playing, you mentioned you were playing in your mind, was that one in the second on the double steal there. On that play, ideally, what do you want Kirk doing in that situation?
3: It's tough because with two strikes, Chappie's off the back. He's far away from the runner in third there. So the play, you know, designed in a perfect world is, you know, yeah, we were throwing a second with the option to redirect it to come back home. Um, catcher needs to look at third there, and if you see Gomes down that far. It kind of supersedes you throwing a second, and it gives Chappie a little bit of time to get to the bag. So, there, I think for him, for any catcher, um, although we're throwing a second, you got to check the runner, and if he's wandering like he was, uh, you got to make an adjustment.
2: Just to follow up on that with you know pop times and all those the the milliseconds. If you're checking a runner at third, do you not? generally lose the opportunity for you out at
1: second?
3: No, I think your footwork stays the same. It's a, it's a, it's not, I mean, it's a, it sounds complicated, but it's not a really tough play for a catcher as you're coming up and, and kind of doing your thing, you you glance over. And, um, you know, it was just like a millisecond off between Chappie throwing his hands up. He was kind of yelling a little bit late. Um, but you know, I think just in a perfect world, your eyes go to third base first as you're getting ready to throw to second. I know it sounds funny. But that's the way we draw it up.
0: Off day for you guys tomorrow, how valuable will it be? I know you're talking about this
2: stage in the season and guys being tired. Uh, How important is the day off tomorrow?
3: Yeah, off days are always great. You know, when you're playing this many games and and the amount of days we do. So we got some doubleheaders coming up. So hopefully we take advantage of the off day, you know, hit the road tomorrow and, um, you know, just understand that it's going to be a grind. You know, three cities and. Um, a really important stretch for us. So hopefully they enjoy it and uh, be ready to roll.
0: You mentioned uh,
2: pregame that starting pitching is one of the pillars uh, for continued success here. How do you sort of assess where you are, you know, taking into consideration Mitch's uh, outing today in terms of starting pitching?
3: I like where we are. I mean, I think our starters, you know, have been really, really good over the past two weeks or so, if you can kind of bucket it into that Um and you know, if you have to piece together a game, you piece together a game. And you know, the goal is to have a quality start every time, keep the bullpen in order where they should be pitching and things like that. So again, man, the stuff tonight for Mitch was good, a lot of swing and miss. And it was just a couple of mis-executed pitches or a couple of mistake pitches. But you know, overall pleased with what he did.
1: John, to uh, follow up on Julia's question about the off day, do you have anything planned in terms of keeping things light ahead of a, a long uh, trip?
3: No, I mean I think the players take care of that. I think they got a fantasy football draft going on tonight, which would be pretty fun. Um, but no, man, you gotta you gotta respect their time off. If it if it's spent with family or if it's spent you know with each other, that's fine. But you know, at this stage of the uh, st- this stage of the season, you kind of just take your rest when you can get it. I know we got a few more coming up, so um, I hope they enjoy it. John, the homer for Kirk had been uh,
4: his first since July 26. If you were Diagnosing what you saw over the past month, did it feel like that long? Did you see a change in approach or anything over that span from him?
3: Uh, yeah, it felt kind of long. We joked about it, you know, in the dugout a little bit. But uh, approach, no, I don't think so. I think he's his the quality of his at bats are you know they're consistent and have been consistent, and it's pretty amazing that he's one of a few players with more walks and strikeouts and things like that. So. Um, it's his first full season. I'm sure he's feeling it physically a little bit. Uh, but it was nice for him to kinda, you know, clip that slider there. I think it was a slider and get it in the air.
0: There you go. Blue Jays manager John Schneider speaking to the media after uh the Jays lost to the Cubs last night. Anything from that for you, Patrick? It's
2: the, like I I I know a lot like a lot of the guys were really- like I know Joe Siddle and Caleb Joseph were pretty outspoken on the, maybe not outspoken. They told the how how they would have wanted to approach that double steal there uh, with Alejandro Kirk that Yan Gomes scored on that might have been the deciding factor. I know it was only one run, but you know the Jays lose by two. You don't know never know what happens after that, but uh, you know it's just it's it feels too late in the season to have these type of conversations, you know, with a guy. And we we've we've heard. You know you, you want to keep Alejandro Kirk's bat in the lineup but you know you have that liability of him behind the plate and I think you know right now it's it's, it's too late to be traveling these type of mistakes but you know I, I get it he's gonna to have these to, it's his job to coach these guys up and get them going and I'm sure next time a, a double steal scenario happens and Alejandro Kirk sees it he'll be better in that situation but it's just frustrating it is it really is seeing seeing this type of group just wait you know what's funny it is is you know, Vlad's not ha- I'm, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here with the, with, um, with the offense. Uh, like, Vlad's not having a bad season offensively. Still really good offensively, but compared to last year, feels a little bit less, you know, left to be desired. And I get the frustration, but on the positive side, the Jays are in a playoff spot as we turn the month to September here. And the calendar to September, and it's not too often in the last few years that they've been in this position. So hopefully for a good month, there's still everybody in front of them. You know, 19 more games with the Orioles and Rays. I worry about the pitching. We'll see what happens elsewhere. Like, I know there's some calls. I know Casey Lawrence is brought up here, but this he's not a fix. He's a long-term relief option and maybe gets a spot start here and there. But, you know, it's it's going to have to come with rim and thin. And I think that's what, again,
0: what John Schneider has been preaching is, you know, the guys inside have to do their job. Well, we'll see if they can get that uh, job done tomorrow as they start off on a road trip at PNC Park against the Pirates. Lots of Ps there. Uh, <laughs> Alec Manoa getting the start for the Jays. That's good news. He's uh, over 155 innings this year at a 2.60 ERA. The Pirates 49-81 and on the season, 5th in the NL Central. A little bit of an early start tomorrow, 435 First pitch right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan, and on Sportsnet West. Uh, Some other news today across the NHL. uh, The Dallas Stars getting some work done. They've got uh, probably the most significant RFAs still on the board. Uh, They got one of them done today. Mm -hmm. Uh, Flames fans very familiar with (laughs) Jake Ottinger and his work. A three-year deal for Jake Ottinger uh, worth $12 million. Quick math tells you that's a... $4 $4 million AAV for Ottinger, who is just 23 years old. Played in his most games of any NHL season last year. 48, 2.52 goals against, and a 9.14 save percentage. And of course, the outrageous playoffs for Ottinger. Seven games against the Calgary Flames, a 181 goals against, and a 9.54 yeah. save percentage, which still couldn't get them into the second round. He's just 23 years old, Patrick. Uh, Mm -hmm. A bit of an impasse between these two and, um, you know, figuring things out because Ottinger was an RFA, same as Jason Robertson, who still doesn't have a deal. Uh, And both of them obviously key parts of the group, but they have not accrued enough time to have arbitration rights at this point. Mm -hmm. So they pretty much had to take what was on the table for them or not play. And if you don't play, you don't accrue any more service time and you're just sort sort of stuck Not playing so Jake Ottinger gets a deal done today with the Stars, uh, at three years and 12 million dollars. Yeah, I think there's obviously a good, good, great body of work that Jake Ottinger has put in front
2: of the Dallas Stars, you know, making his debut in the bubble, uh, having a decent playoff there, and then this past postseason where you know, taking the Calgary Flames to the brink and that 954 save percentage when it all said and done was still tops in in all of uh, all of postseason action last year. Just shows to show you how close the stars actually were. And I think it's a good deal for both sides on Dallas uh, is part here. It's, it's a low risk deal. It's it's three years, get them to uh, RFA status after the 2025 season. And uh, you know, it's good. Good, comfortable change for a guy like Jake Ottinger, who's still trying to find his way in this league. And you know, now they have Ottinger, Scott wedgwood who they acquired at the deadline to back him up. And while Anton Kudobin signed through this season as well, he's probably not going to be ready for camp. He underwent uh, hip surgery there in the springtime, so a candidate possibly for LTIR, where you could could see uh, that where uh, a Jason Robertson extension could come out of.
0: Uh, yeah, possibly, but I mean, they—I do think they hold all the leverage with Robertson. Oh, so for sure, yeah, hundred percent. there. If They want to, you, you know, th- say it's going to be six million dollars. It's, it's going to be six million dollars, mm-hmm. or Robertson just won't play. So, yeah, I
2: know there was there's some compare like comparables out there that you know the you sign a deal similar to what Matthew Kachuk or Matt Barzell signed out of their entry level deal three times seven something similar like that, but. Again, that's not quite there. They're just a million dollars short of that. So, Well, yeah, well,
0: yeah and I mean, yeah. comparables, I mean, do the Stars care much about comparables when they hold all the leverage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, probably not. I, no. I don't think they care. They'll try, they'll say to him, look, if we have to get rid of somebody, the team's not as good, mm-hmm. so uh, this is what we can pay you yeah. today, and we'll, we'll go from there. So we'll see. We'll chat some more Dallas Stars hockey just after 4.30 this will. afternoon. Uh, Owen Newkirk. Uh, from the uh, Stars organization going to join us. We'll chat uh, about Jake Ottinger, what's left for Jason Robertson, and a look at their offseason as a whole uh, in case you missed some of it from Dallas, Mason Marchment, uh, really their big UFA signing. Uh, Colin Miller is now there. They lose John Klingberg to the Anaheim Ducks. So we'll uh, we'll get a feel for Calgary's last year first-round opponent, Uh, just after 4.30 this afternoon. Also today, um, what is it with the St. Louis Blues and PTOs? Um, Former Flames great, Tyler Pitlick. Yes, uh, it might feel like years ago, but Tyler Pitlick was a member of the Flames to start last season, Patrick. Uh, He was then shipped off to the Montreal Canadiens later in the year in that Tyler Toffoli trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, He has signed a PTO with the St. Louis Blues, uh, apparently, the Blues love their failed flames uh, <laughs> on PTOs. you'll remember, last year, James Neal actually made the team on a PTO. Uh, didn't last very long and was then sent to the American Hockey League where he dominated. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, another flame that didn't work out at all mm-hmm. that the St. Louis Blues loved to pick up. So that was an interesting one. Also today, this is a massive one. The uh, Denver Broncos, no surprise, They've committed long-term to their new franchise quarterback. Russell Wilson signs a five-year, $245 million extension to uh, remain in Denver for the long term. This was a, a point of contention with him and the Seahawks as to how much money exactly he was willing to uh, to take, what they were willing to offer, uh, $165 million guaranteed in that deal. Mm-hmm. He's under contract now. Through the 2028 season, an average annual value of 49 million. That is the second highest paid AAV for a quarterback in the league, behind only Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, just a
2: million dollars behind too. So obviously, this goes to show what uh, Denver wants to do. This is their guy. The uh, you know a little they're getting him at a different timeline than they got Peyton Manning. They got Peyton Manning at the end of his career. You're getting Russell Wilson uh maybe not at the the peak of his career, but definitely uh, still at where he is still a top name in this in this uh in this game and uh you know this guy this is a guy that wants to he said he wants to play the next ten to twelve years at least uh so this will definitely probably this will take uh russell to just before forty years old i believe uh so this contract will run through the twenty twenty eight season uh, again, you, you you get a you get a franchise quarterback. There's only so many in this league. You pay them, and this is exactly what the Denver Broncos are doing. They've got the NFL's richest owner now, uh, so the money is definitely not a not a problem in Denver. Uh, this was expected for sure. It's uh, it's he's still got the two years left on his deal he signed in Seattle. So uh, let's
0: ride Broncos country. Uh, last but not least, the NBA offseason apparently never sleeps, and uh, today Donovan took Mitchell. Off. As a, uh, there was some stuff I mean, Durant at yeah. the end, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has a new home, and it's not where you would expect it. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are acquiring three-time All-Star guard Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz in a massive deal that includes uh, Laurie Markkinen uh, going the other way, Colin Sexton going the other way, as well as three unprotected first-round picks and two pick swaps. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN was first on this Uh, Sexton, who was an RFA, agreed to a four-year, $72 million contract as part of the sign-and-trade. So he is now with the Jazz long-term as that contract is fully guaranteed. Uh, That now sets up Mitchell and Darius Garland as uh, one of the highest-scoring backcourts uh, together now in Cleveland. And uh, another one that apparently... The New York Knicks missed out on Patrick.
2: Yeah, this was uh, probably, everybody thought Donovan Mitchell probably going to be a New York Nick and probably good for Donovan Mitchell that he doesn't have to go to that uh, crazy old New York Nick organization. Uh, but no, that's going to be a fun backcourt between D- Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland. Darius Garland is one of the young up-and-coming stars in this league. Cavaliers, they're, they're wanting to make that next step. They've got Evan Mobley there. Jared Allen's an all-star. Cleveland's going to be a fun team. This is, They were eighth last year in the Eastern Conference. Uh, this is a team that could be definitely knocking on. Maybe not, well, like you look at the Central Division, you know, like you look at Chicago's there. I mean, Detroit's no good. Uh, Milwaukee is obviously still the, the team to be reckoned with there in the Central Division. But Cleveland is making waves. I definitely think this could be pushed them into the top four, top five in the Eastern Conference.
0: So uh, another massive deal in the NBA, and uh, Donovan Mitchell has a new home, this time with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll uh, chat more about uh, some of those massive topics a little bit later on in the show, but we'll take our first break today and come back on the other side. Let's chat some Toronto Blue Jays baseball. Disappointing homestand, but the month of September has arrived with them in a playoff spot. How should we be feeling about the Toronto Blue Jays into the most important month of their season? We'll ask uh, Roger Lejoie that next when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: Back to Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Set for the two two. He deals. We get a pop up. Left side. Racing in, Morell is there on the turf, makes the catch to finish the ball game. The Blue Jays got the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning, but Springer pops up. The Chicago Cubs avoid a series sweep. They take the finale with a 7-5 win, and they used it with a lot of loud early contact on Mitch White tonight to keep a lead and then pick up the victory.
0: As you heard there from the voice of the Blue Jays, Ben Wagner on the Sportsnet Radio Network, the Toronto Blue Jays unable to, to finish off a sweep of the Chicago Cubs last night as they fall 7-5. to five. This is Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. I'm Logan Gordon, joined by Patrick Dumont to talk a little bit more Blue Jays baseball. Very pleased to go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon and welcome in from our sister station, Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto, Roger Lajoie. Roger, thanks for doing this today, man. How are you?
4: Oh, I'm great, thank you. How are you guys? Pleasure to
0: be with you. We're doing great. Uh, I guess just give me your, your overall feel for the Jays' homestand that just wrapped up last night with a loss to Chicago.
4: Well, that was a disappointing uh, homestand to say the least, Logan. There's, there's no doubt about it. Look, it came on the heels of such a terrific road trip. They went into Yankee Stadium and, and really had their way with the Yankees with the exception of the last game of that series. And then they gutted out three straight wins in Boston. So you have a 6 1 road trip against the Yankees and the Red Sox on the road. You're going to take that at any time. And then to come back and, and get swept by the Angels and lose two out of three uh, to the Cubs, that, or, pardon me, uh, lose one out of three to the Cubs for a 2 4 homestand. Guys, that could be a squandered opportunity for this team. There's, there's going to be a lot of games you'll circle on the calendar if the Jays don't make the playoffs. But I think a 2-4 homestand against two teams that are way out of the race might be right at the top of the list if they don't make it. I I think they're still going to make it, but there's no way to sugarcoat that one. That was pretty disappointing.
0: One thing John Schneider hasn't really been able to address since he took over as manager is the consistency of his ball club. Roger, how important is it for them to use these last 30-plus games of the season to try to find some of that consistency?
4: Yeah. Fair question. You know, though, the word consistency is kind of funny. I, I would argue the Blue Jays are consistent. They're frustrating all the time, which by definition
0: is consistent.
4: <laughs> yeah. You know, they they, they beat they, they beat teams, good teams, from time to time, and then they turn in um, a stinkers in a game like that. It is it is difficult to come up with that. I, I there's no easy answer for that one. You know, this this team is is a very good ball club, one to nine. The pitching is, is good. It's not great, but it's good. They should be better, I think, than 70 and 69, 59, 11 games over 500. you You'd like to see, you know, a little bit more of instead of 28 runs against the Boston Red Sox, maybe more than two in three games against the Angels, And but there's no easy answer to that. And, you know, whether that's management or the players themselves, it's perplexing how they can be so good at uh, one time and so bad at the other, and in the same in the period of a week, really. When you look at the last sample size we just talked about, so yeah, that's trying to be consistent. Be uh, is is without a question at the top of their to do list, but how you exactly go about doing that? Uh, but that's a higher pay grade than me, guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah, uh, I hear you on that one. Uh, I'm curious what you've seen so far from Mitch White uh, in his short time uh, as a member of the Blue Jays. He got hit pretty hard last night, but John Schneider didn't feel as though it was all bad news for one of the newest members to his pitching rotation.
4: Yeah, he certainly had his pitchers back last night. Uh, There's no question about that. I mean, you know, I I backed him up uh, pretty good afterwards. (sighs) Mitch gave him pretty decent starts. The first couple didn't pitch deep into games, but you know, from a number five starter, if you can take four to five solid innings, I guess you're happy. He hasn't been very good recently. uh, And it's, it's a concern. These games are going to pile up. They're going to need him or somebody uh, to give them decent innings. And you know, their, their bullpen has been pretty good so far, but you don't want to overwork the bullpen. Then you need starters to go deep into the game and they're going to have to be a lot better than White was last night. Um, Schneider felt that he had good stuff. He just made a couple of mistakes on pitches. But at the end of the day, I mean, you can't give up seven runs to the Chicago Cubs and and expect to win ball games even with the Jays lineup. So I'd say it's mixed results at the moment with with White. And they've got an interesting decision uh, to uh, follow up on. I, I kind of think we're going to see a bullpen day from the blue Jays at some point in the next week to ten days. And they may try that as opposed to trotting White out there one more time. We'll see. But um that's it's pretty mixed results. And you know when you really look at the numbers, you know, it's it's better than Kikuchi. It's better than, you know, a a bullpen or calling up somebody from the minors who hasn't pitched in the majors at all. But it's really not good enough again. You 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 got ball games. You gotta win you got to beat the Cubs at home. You have to beat the Angels at home, and they didn't. And now they're going to have to beat the Rays and the Orioles at home, which might be a lot tougher task.
0: A big road trip coming up for the team here, an off day today before they travel to Pittsburgh, but a 10-game road trip, Roger, that sees stops in Baltimore and Texas. And I really wanted to focus on the, the Orioles' side of things with you because the Jays obviously see them so much for the rest of the season, and... It's not the the, the Orioles of the last couple of years. It seems as though this team's taken a a pretty major step back and could be a thorn in the side of the Jays down the rest of this month.
4: That's a great observation. There's no doubt about it. It, I I think anyone who's kind of frustrated that the Jays haven't been able to separate themselves a little more from the pack, uh, it isn't so much separating from the pack. It's separating from the Baltimore Orioles. And they're a fascinating story, guys, because at the trade deadline, they traded Trey Mancini, one of their veterans. They traded their closer Jorge Lopez. Mancini went to Houston, and Lopez went to Minnesota. That's one of the teams that are battling the Orioles and the Jays and and Seattle and Tampa Bay for a playoff spot. So basically, the Orioles didn't think they were playoff contenders this year. They thought well, it'll be another year. We got a good young nucleus, but we're not gonna we're not gonna augment it. We're gonna so they trade Mancini, they trade Lopez. And they're just as good. In fact, now, with uh, Gunnar Henderson, who made his Major League debut last night, some people might suggest they're even a little bit better. And with 10 games remaining against the Orioles, and I've said on my shows on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, uh, for the last month, guys, I just can't see the Orioles hanging in here in this race down the stretch. But my goodness, they continue to amaze. And who's to say they can't? Finish it up. Henderson had a home run, his second at bat, in his first game in the majors. They got uh, youthful enthusiasm there, but my goodness, uh, the Orioles are and well, and Tampa because nine games left with the Rays too. That's probably what's going it, to it's going to come down to. And earlier, even earlier in this year, even two months ago, we would have said, "Well, easy schedule for the uh, Jays because they still have ten games left against the Baltimore Orioles." Now it's the opposite. Going to be tough for the Jays because they got 10 games left against the Baltimore Orioles. I don't know how they're doing it, guys, but they're doing it and they're a dangerous opponent. And here we are, September the 1st, and they're only two games back. I don't think anybody saw that one coming.
0: Chatting some baseball with our pal Rad- Roger Lejoie here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, Roger, a regular contributor to our sister station, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. This is Sportsnet Today. I'm Logan Gordon, joined by Patrick Dumont today. Patrick.
2: Roger, uh, is there a disappointment uh, when you look at the Jays system and you're not seeing the prospects being called up, like uh, an Martinez or or something like that? And you see like like you know when the rosters expand, is that just a credit to the system of late, or is it just the Jays are okay with that?
4: Patrick, that's another good question, and it's it's I guess it's a little bit of a. A mixed bag there. You know, listen, the, the Jays made their moves. Let's go back to Baltimore Orioles for a second. Mm-hmm. The Orioles tonight are where the, Blue Jay, uh, where the Blue Jays were a couple of years ago. You know, clearly yeah. they're bringing in the young talent. Gunnar Henderson is kind of like Vladdy. There's a lot of simul- similarities and what they're trying to do. This is why it's it's so disappointing. I, I don't think it's terribly disappointing the Jays don't have that, you know, another young superstar in the minors to bring up because they already have Vladdy, mm-hmm. they have Bichette, they 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 brought in the young talent. Yeah, they've graduated. This is their time now.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
4: This is their time now. Their prospects are now players. So to expect your minor organization to be able to bring up another big star is really asking too much. If if and I think the disappointment is you know you look from the start of the year Vladdy Bichette and T. Oscar – I might throw Springer in the mix, too, but he's been hurt. But those first three guys I mentioned, their numbers are are down from last year, in some cases and in some metrics, substantially down. Uh, I don't think the focus should be on the farm system not being able to bring up more um, reserves of somebody who can really help you, although you'd really want that. I think the team is operated and built around these guys, and that's why the farm system isn't that great. So I think the onus should be more on these guys mm-hmm. to produce the way they produced last year as opposed to, well, where's the help from the minors? Um, the Jays' prospects are no longer prospects. They're players. They're major league players. Those guys got to be better in the last month here. Patrick. All
2: right. Uh, no, you mentioned George Springer there, and he has uh, had dealt with the injuries, obviously, in his time in Toronto. Now, how many games should he be in the field the rest of the way? Do you want to see him... As a DH, or just because of the situation, is he's going to have to play in the field some days?
4: I want to see him in center field all the time, okay. but um, th- I'm in panic mode every time he's yeah. out there from the Jays' perspective because I think he's going to hurt himself. But he only knows how to play one way, guys, and that's all nope. out. Um, listen, a lot of guys can DH as long as he's in the lineup. Let's put it this way: if, if, and I believe the Jays' medical crew knows this. If they're confident. That he can safely play center field. Well, then he's the best option in center field, and and you can have Kirk or somebody else DH. When he DHs, you take away a, a bat from a Kirk or a Jansen. So you want him out there if at all possible. And certainly, you know the Jays do have people who can play center field. I mean, they've got lots of guys who can play center field defensively. So I, I trust them that they know what they're doing. But in a perfect world, Springer leads off and plays center field. And if they feel he's healthy, I'd like to see him out there. There's no sense in, in keeping him on the just as a DH. But boy, if there's any, any thought that maybe playing center field every day is going to aggravate what, uh, his injuries, which he ov- obviously has, well, then you, you slot him in at DH. But I want him out there if he's healthy. And if he's not healthy, a DH is still better than nothing.
2: Now, one of the teams the Jays are in pursuit of in this American League wildcard chase, the Tampa Bay Rays had their front of the line starter, their ace go down with an injury. How impactful will be Shane McClanahan's injury to the Tampa Bay Rays and their and uh, their uh, pursuits for a wild card spot?
4: Well, you know, you would think it would be, guys, but man, Tampa just uh, they've probably got another Next guy in the they're gonna call up. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they operate. Yep. <laughs> That's right. They just keep bringing guys up every single year. It's like a, a pipeline. Sure, that's a big loss. There's no question, or oh, I don't even want to think how what the Blue Jays would think if Gosman or Manoa went down with an injury. So sure, it's going to be a problem. But Tampa is that next man up. They have that. They have bullpen games more than most teams. They invented so it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that and the and the shift to the extent. It, being used now. Yeah. Absolutely. We're invented by the Tampa Bay Rays. That's 100% accurate. So they, they find a way, you would think, but now here we are, 33 games to go in the season, and uh, the Rays are two up on the Jays, as are Seattle. So, man, oh, man, it's going to be tough. And I, I think where the Jays might be able to take advantage, guys, is in particular the five games at Rogers Center. Uh, 12th to the 16th, yes. I believe the goals are double header mixed in there. High games in four days and you don't have your ace. even Tampa's bullpen and next man up and pitching by committee is going to be challenged severely, uh, because of that. So let's see what happens in that series, but no doubt, listen, an injury to your top pitcher is uh, going to cost you, but if there's one team that can figure out a way around that, it's the Tampa Bay race.
2: Couple more for me, Raj. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, the team at the top of the AL East, uh, the New York Yankees. Aaron Judge and his pursuit of the AL home run record. Obviously, Roger Maris has that. How how big is that for not only him, but you know, a chance for him to break it as a Yankee?
4: I think it's big. I think it's great. I think more people like this chase than even for the home run record. Of all time, with with Barry Bonds, to mm-hmm. be honest with you, because people look at it and whether you know it's it's true or not, it seems more pure. It seems it's it, there's no taint to this, and it's Maris and Ruth you're chasing, for heaven's sakes, and it's the Yankees, yeah. and it is Judge who is you know a, a star player and a and a marquee guy. I think it's massive. I, I think it's I think it's terrific, and that it's, it may be coming though in the middle of a pennant race, guys, because we were talking about. You know, the the Jays, and and they're trying to nail down a wild card. Don't look now, but the Rays are only six back of the Yankees. Mm-hmm. And 33 games to go, that's still a healthy lead, but it, it was 12 and a half uh, a month ago. So if you can close within six games in a month, maybe you can do it again. So I think it's great. I think it's fabulous for baseball. I think everyone would like to see it. But I think the Yankees, if you ask them quietly, are concerned more now about making sure they win that division, get that first round by, uh, than they are about an individual pursuit. But I think it's wonderful, and I think if it can be done, I think everyone would just tip their hat at Aaron Judge. No asterisks, no nothing behind this. He's just uh, one of the top hitters in the game today.
2: And he was a a guy he bet on himself. He was offered a contract extension, turned it down, signed his his arbitration deal. Now he's going to parlay this into what should be a massive contract. Now, the Yankees don't break the bank like they used to. Should other teams, you know, potentially, you know, the Dodgers, uh, a potential destination for Judge down the line.
4: Well, yeah, if Dodgers get anybody they want the way they spend money. That's interesting where that's going to go, guys. I don't really have a read on that at all, to be honest with you. I'm, I I was surprised he didn't take the deal. Good on him. But I'm also, I would be shocked if the Yankees just don't come back and make another counter. It seems from afar that Aaron Judge really loves playing in New York. He doesn't shy away from the bright lights of Yankee Stadium. Uh, so, therefore... Uh, the Yankees certainly are capable of paying him whatever he wants. I don't know how the negotiations went, if there are any bruised egos in there, but I would suspect that the Yankees will do everything to keep him. And I think judge wants to stay there, but money does talk. And yes, the Dodgers would make a pitch. Oh my goodness. Wouldn't the Boston Red Sox love to get Aaron judge hitting homers in <laughs> a, a tiny Fenway park and steal one from the Yankees. I mean, so the competition will be, Fierce but limited because there's only a couple of teams in the game that could possibly afford Aaron Judge. But there's no doubt that he could have had a better time personally to have this kind of a season because, boy, is he in for a payday.
0: Just a couple more for you, Roger, before we let you go. Really appreciate the time this afternoon. Patrick mentioned the Rays to you. Uh, I wanted to ask you about the other team in the wild card race in the AL right now. How cool is it what the Seattle Mariners are doing this season? Obviously, uh, historic playoff drought, and it feels like they're maybe starting to come out of it a bit. They've paid Julio Rodriguez a lot of money in his first year as a, a major leaguer, but they're well set to be in a playoff spot as well.
4: Yes, they've been impressive and and good on them. It has been a long time. Indeed, that playoff drought is embarrassing. They were kind of one of those bubble teams, um, Logan, this year, that some people thought, geez, you know, are they quite ready yet to do it? And at the trade deadline, they augmented the team. You mentioned Julio Rodriguez getting a massive and very long contract extension, sending a message that we're a player now, we're going to do everything we can. It's a good franchise. It's a beautiful ballpark. It's been a great, um, uh, well, was a great franchise back in the day. Hey, listen, they still hold the American League or share the American League record for victories with 116 in a regular season. It's a nice story, and I like their chances a lot. Uh, Tampa Bay and and the Jays and Baltimore are going to beat up on each other an awful lot. I see no way Seattle slips back that Minnesota challenges them. So, therefore... They take care of business. Their schedule is not that uh, difficult uh, down the stretch in September. I got to think, I don't want to say they're a lock because they're only two games up the same way that the, the Jays are, you know, in, in terms of getting there. And especially for them, I think this year, guys, everybody wants that number one spot. You want the three home games. Yeah, It's not like the wild card one-off. You want that series in your own park. And I think a big factor here, guys, will be, if Seattle in particular looks like the team that could do it, if they could solidify their hold and set up their rotation for that three game wild card series, they could be a real dangerous team. They could be a very dangerous team. So I like what they've done. And yes, you're right. Uh, it's a great story.
0: Last but not least, uh, I wanted to ask you because even here in Calgary, we talk baseball a lot. Uh, we, you know, we talk about the Dodgers, the battle of New York, Edwin Diaz and the Mets is all that great. And that's very cool. But, Uh, From here, in our perspective, we've wondered if we haven't talked enough about what the Houston Astros are doing this year. They're atop the American League and feels as though they don't have the same hype around them that some of the other teams do, Roger.
4: Yeah, they're kind of like the Dodgers, though, because they're always winning. You take them for granted, right? The Houston Astros, well, yeah, we know the Astros are good. It's an excellent point. Listen, if you looked at baseball, the American League right now, uh, it would be very difficult not to take the side that the Houston Astros are the best team in the league. They have veteran experience. They're well-rounded. They have uh, great pitching. There's no real obvious holes. they got some injury concerns like everybody else does right now, but no more or less than anybody else. They're a model of consistency. They haven't, they're not going to be pressed at all. They know they're going to get, and likely now with the Yankees slipping guys, the number one seed. So home field, it's going to go through Houston. Uh, they've got to be considered the favorites. In fact, a uh, an Astros Dodgers World Series, if everything plays itself out the way it should, um, would that's what we'd be looking at. But it's September. It's a baseball playoffs. Anything can happen. <laughs> And that's the only thing that would stop them. But you're right. It's kind of interesting. And, you know, let's, let's face it, because of what happened a couple of years ago, as we all know, they're not the most lovable bunch in the world, eh? You know, yeah. everybody might be cheering for Aaron Judge to hit the home run record. And everybody hopes Pujols gets to 700. And the Mariners are a nice story. But there's not a lot of fuzziness around the Houston Astros. Maybe that's one of the reasons we, we don't talk about them that much. But they're they're an excellent ball club.
0: Roger, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. Great to chat some Blue Jays baseball and hit on a couple of different topics with you. Really enjoyed what uh, you've been doing over at uh, 590 there, and I uh, hope we can do this again with you a little later on in the month. Thanks, Roger.
4: So oh, Logan, Patrick, my pleasure. You guys call any time, and uh, you're doing a great job as well. Thanks so much. We'll chat again. I'm happy to do
0: it. Sounds good. Take care, Roger. Thank you. Bye now. There you go. Roger Lajoie, uh from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Kind enough to give us some time down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline to chat some Toronto Blue Jays baseball and uh, a couple of the teams around them on a busy uh, day in the majors and another uh, busy playoff race as we turn the month over to September. Uh, That'll do it for hour one of the program today. Thanks again to Raz Golochoa for uh, hopping on very fast. The next one could be fast as well. Uh, Two guests coming your way next up. uh, Fantasy football season is upon us. Do you have a draft? Do you have questions about your Week One lineup already? We got the guy for it. Ask Andy. You can get your questions in on Twitter. Uh, I'm at fan960logan. Patrick, where are you at? Uh, Patrick Dumas underscore at Patrick Dumas underscore. And of course, uh, our pal Andy McNamara is coming up next. So, ask Andy is coming up next segment. Get your fantasy football questions in if you have them for Andy. Uh, he will answer as many as we possibly can in the next segment. We'll get a couple of clarifying questions on him and some different situations around the league, uh, which should hopefully help answer a few questions. But if you have some league-specific ones you need answers for week one, you have a draft tonight or coming up in the next week, this is your chance to get those questions in. Fan feedback line nine six zero nine six zero, or you can hit either me, Patrick, or Andy McNamara up on Twitter to try to get your questions in. Andy McNamara joins us next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.